There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June 22nd, 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest at the beginning of each broadcast you make use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. And then that gets it out of the way rather than pester you all the way through. And on the site you'll find other a whole bunch of sites listed. In fact, these are the official sites I have. And you can download well over a thousand audios for free and start to understand the big system you're living in. The system that the press would have, you think, is just evolving day by day and with big meetings or with politicians, things like that. Uh, the amalgamations of whole countries under block governments like the EU, things like that. But up where I'd show you is the history of it and how it's planned that way and how you're living through really uh, a big script, a pre-written script, and everything else is show. For every large international meeting, uh, they've spent years, years with what they call the Sherpas. There's the high-level bureaucrats who often actually have worked for the central banking systems who go across the world and get everybody on board with consensus. So that when the, the guys meet, all they do is have a good booze up, great meal, and go out with prostitutes and sign the treaties. That's how it's always been done, because you're living through a, an agenda, a world agenda for a world society, but a very much different uh, world society than the one you'd like to have, if you wanted that, that at all. It's to do with austerity and eugenics and making the world the way it's supposed to be, according to those at the top, those who already pretty well rule it financially. And they use academia to get their agendas through and to convince us we're all rather stupid and we should just let them do it. So help yourself with the audios. Remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't sell any other products apart from the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. I have no shares in any products whatsoever uh, or companies, and I don't bring advertisers as guests. And so I, I try to be as straight up with you as I possibly can. So you can keep me going by buying the books at discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and you can also donate. You can really donate. That would be awfully helpful if you did, especially at this time. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office. You can send cash and you can use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal once again. Straight donations, remember, are really, really, really rather urgently required right now. So we're going through a big, big plan system. Your parents went through it, your grandparents. And like any mammal, if they don't warn the offspring what to be aware of, uh, then you're gullible to be led down the garden path and just accept the system is all quite normal. Your subsequent propaganda from schooling depends on schooling. And Elul went into that, Jacques Elul, the philosopher, that it's very difficult to use propaganda after you've been through school, unless you've been through school in the first place. It sets you up to be very, very gullible. You're taught to believe in experts, etc. You're given an authorized version of history, if you get any history at all these days. 
And, uh, and of course, you're, you're given the spiel that special people that come out of special wombs just happen to make it up there, even though you'll never do it. They tell you that, oh yeah, one day you can be president, my son. And it's all nonsense. Multi-millionaires end up going in for it. And the wannabes that will do anything, they'll sell their souls out and yours as well to get near the top. But basically, there's one institution that's supplied presidents and prime ministers for a hundred years across the planet. And that's the Royal Institute of International Affairs, also called Council for Foreign Relations. I think it's SIGI in Canada. It's all the same organization to try and confuse the public. They don't like you to know that every major newspaper reporter, every editor, uh, every owner of the newspapers is a member of this organization. So you get standardized uniform news. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, carrying through the Matrix, talking about the big world that really, really is, and without the spin that's put on it. There's so many spins to camouflage real events, etc. And what we always get too from the media, we're left with our opinion. The, the media at one time, a long time ago, mind you, was supposed to be impartial and just give you the basic facts and left you to make your mind up. But we don't get that anymore. We haven't had that for many years, including television too. You know, it's on television that always give you two experts in a field and they debate it in front of you and you take whichever side takes your fancy. That's really how it's set up for you. This or that, take this or that. And of course, if you start off with a limited premise, basically, without only certain facts, you aren't getting the whole story on anything, but you don't know that, and you're convinced that you do. That's why people really, really will turn on you if you start giving them information they've never heard before, even though you can find it from other official sources that haven't been actually published, maybe from universities or somewhere like that. So you understand we're, we're living in a, a form of a matrix, of course, and that's how you do it. Because all governments have to do, all, all through history, is to control the minds of the people. It's the mind you have to control before everything else. It all depends on the minds. That's why they're going to such great lengths now to make sure that you cannot use your mind. They do it for you. And we're being taught in many different te- with many techniques all working in unison. We have, for instance, the, the straight Pavlovian type of conditioned response where this, they use massive political correctness and massive fines on people who, who open their mouth and say what is now considered to be the wrong thing, even though they're only expressing a point of view or asking a question for that matter. That's forbidden. And, uh, of course, uh, there's, there are many, many uh, different areas we cannot go into because it's now forbidden. Because the, the New World Order says we've got to be all embracing of everything. I mean, everything. I mean, everything. Well, that's what they say. And uh, whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter, you see. You're not allowed to be offended anymore, except if you're in one of the categories that are pushing the PC stuff down your throat. And that's what's happened to free speech. You cannot have free speech in this world today. It is literally, legally forbidden in many different areas. And it's going to get a lot worse too, by the way. Now, here's an article here about the security services we have all the different things, the enchilon and a whole bunch of other programs which they've actually 
publish some of in the newspapers to do with the words that you can't say because it triggers you up, it flags you on computers and you can't say pork, that's why I say pork all the time. Pork for some reason is, what about pork barreling you know, for, for politics? But anyway, you can't say pork, so everybody should just keep saying pork, pork, and all these little flags go up, and maybe you can fry their computers or something. But that's how ridiculous it's all getting down to, because you see, in a tyrannical system for total control of the world, or even one nation, you must be absolutely... Sure that everyone in it is predictable. That's what all this collecting of your data is all about, predictability. And it's not just the security services that get it all immediately as soon as you're feeding uh, information into your profile or they're grabbing it straight off the, the Ethernet, whatever. Uh, they're, they're adding it to a profile they already have of you. It's instantaneous in real time. They have one in the Pentagon. They've admitted a, a, a virtual you for everyone in North America. And they feed it into that. Then they play games on the virtual you to, to see how you respond. The virtual you will respond with your personality to certain situations. So you're very predictable. And it's all done to make sure, you see, that you cannot have a person who, who thinks for themselves. If you think for yourself, you're a dangerous person. You're, you truly are. You're, then you become unpredictable. Or you can become predictable in your unpredictability. That's even worse. You see, it scares them. Uh, and who knows what they'll say next, for goodness sake. As the Mao Tung said, he wasn't scared of armies and all the rest of it. He said he was, he, he was really scared or terrified of someone with a big idea, a real idea that would take off like wildfire. Ideas are dangerous, you know. That's why they try to make sure in school it's all groupthink and you don't have any ideas except the ones the teachers give you. But then you get a little gold star and all that too at the end of it. But the Canadian Security Service is also into all of this too, as is every other agency across the planet. Actually, they're all combined, you understand that. There's no more sad, separate, more sad, more separate MI6 and, and CSIS and, and CIA. They're all one today. They have been for an awful long time. So it says Canadian engineer Mahar Arar seen in this photo they show you, was detained in New York and deported and tortured in his native Syria after the RCMP mislabeled him. That's a mislabeling accident, right? You just, that's all it was, a mislabeling accident. Uh, it labeled him as an Islamic extremist, you see. So I don't know how many millions or billions of dollars have gone to this particular exercise of trying to uh, give us a new lexicon to describe uh, different shades of people who who are not quite happy with things. It says the Canadian Security Intelligence Service has created a set of standard definitions for commonly used terms uh, to guide staff through the super delicate task of labeling the individuals they're watching, which is all of us really. According to a confidential memo obtained under access to information laws, the spy agency said it was compelled to create a standard lexicon of CSIS at CSIS. Uh, we call them big sis up here, terminology, following two inquiries into the detention and torture of the Arab Canadian men overseas in the aftermath of 9-11. They say that the Canadian officials had failed to accurately describe the men in intelligence reports. These are guys who work in intelligence. They can't describe it properly. That's scary, eh? The objective of the lexicon is to increase clarity of communications internally as well as with foreign and domestic partners, says the October 2000 memo. And it says, um, 
it gives you some of the different things uh, to do with what is an extremist, uh, what is a supporter, a sympathizer, etc. All the different breakdowns. And, of course, they don't like your face. They'll give you the nastiest one so they can whip you off and torture you somewhere. So I'll put this link up tonight for those who want to work their way through it and see what... It's just a mess, isn't it? An absolute mess. Uh, this, this new world order, isn't it? This new freedom. It's just an absolute mess. But it's not meant to be a, uh, what they say it's for. This is to ram laws through to change society forever. I hope you understand that. You're going to have this anti-terrorism for, for the rest of your lives. Everyone is going to, even the young ones. Because it's when governments can rush ahead and all levels of governments, academia, all the, all the social behaviorists, all this kind of stuff can run ahead and, and literally try and create the, the society that they, they want by all means possible. And you can get more done in five years of war and technically this is supposed to be a war on terrorism, right? And then you can end 50 years of peace. And the guy who was a top philosopher for the Council on Foreign Relations said that, Carol, quickly. Now, I'm putting a link tonight, too, to do with uh, Barack Obama and the Fed's holdings of U.S. debt. It says that the debt has jumped 452% since Obama took over. Uh, since he took over and was inaugurated in January 2009. The Federal Reserve's holdings of U.S. government debt has, have quintupled uh, according to the Fed's official monthly balance sheet. On January 28, 2009, a week after Obama's nomination, the Fed owed $302 billion in U.S. Treasury securities. On April 25, 2012, the latest date reported the Fed owed five and a half times that much in U.S. Treasury securities. Uh, and that's $1.668 trillion. Uh, that's an increase from January 2009 uh, of $1,000.366 or 452%. Under Obama, the Federal Reserve has become the single largest owner of U.S. government debts. That's the same as Europe. In Europe, uh, I'll put up a link tonight with, with Farage talking at the European Union, and he said that... Uh, the European Union, with, six, with, with every country borrowing money from the few moneylenders that there are. There's only about 13 families that lend to nations. And then you're, you're, the guy that you think is running your country, your prime minister, present, they sign you all down as guarantors to pay it, you see. So they borrow money from these guys, who own the banks, by the way, the big banks, and then we are put down to pay it off. And who ends up owning the debt? Who buys the bonds? The same banks are giving it to. It's a Ponzi scheme, and that's what Farage says. I'll put that up tonight. But back to this one. It says, under Obama, the Federal Reserve has become the single largest owner of U.S. government debt. When Obama entered office, entities in the People's Republic of China were the largest holders, followed by entities in Japan. At the end of January 2009, China owned $739.6 billion in U.S. government debt, and Japan owned $634.8 billion. By the end of March 2012, China's holdings of U.S. debt had grown to $1.1699 trillion, and Japan's holdings had grown to $1.083 trillion. So the, the, it's just the bankers owning the, the whole kit and caboodle of everything. But that's the way it's supposed to go. Remember, Carl Quigley said this in the Anglo-American establishment, that this group of bankers who planned the IMF, set it up, the World Bank, and all the other big agencies, 
that work with the United Nations would bring this state about down the road. And here we are called down the road through crisis creation, of course. And they amalgamate them all and the banks end up running the world. That's how, after all, you see, the Royal Institute of International Affairs was set up by bankers and their sons who were also the top security service guys, the security intelligence guys for Britain. And the beast, it says, tracking you and your family just got a whole lot easier. Everyone's heard of the Verichip, and it's, now it's, it's, it's to be used, it says, it's been hailed as ultimate in personal identification and human tracking technology, and now it's going mainstream. The Verimed system, formerly known as the Verichip, is a passive RFID microchip, measuring about the size of a grain of rice and is implantable under your skin, making it impossible for healthcare work, uh, providers, making it possible, I should say, and other parties to instantly access your medical history and other personally identifying information, but it allows all other government agencies to do the same. I'll put this up tonight for those who are interested. Maybe somebody out there want it. You've got everything else. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I am back cutting through the matrix now. An interesting study was done uh, in 2000, oh, it was 2002. It was University of Western Ontario. It was, and, uh, it was to do with the striking similarity to the symptoms of hypothyroidism and, and also uh, fluoride. Very, 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 very similar. The, the symptoms are pretty well the same. And uh, slight differences in the numbers of, of, of the effects and so on. But uh, I'll put this up tonight as a chart to show you the symptoms of fluoride poisoning. I mean, fluoride's in everything, and it's actually labeled as a poison. And uh, thyroid dysfunction, iodine deficiency disorders, which is great, too, if you want to dumb folk down, because, you see, if you're in a thyroid deficiency, too, you, you, you are slowed right down. Your mental process is slowed down. You're not as bright as you are. You don't have the, out, the, the energy, etc., and uh, you have a lot of different nasty symptoms. And they have a, a side-by-side comparison of fluoride poison, uh, poisoning, and um, they do right down. Even with fluoride, you can get hair loss, you know. That's there too. And uh, anemia, uh, ADHD, of course, acne, abnormal sweats at night generally, and um, calcification of the aorta, uh, weakness, asthenia, atherosclerosis. That's great. They're giving you atherosclerosis in your water. And... Um, it's got arthritis, ataxia, that's difficult walking, it's on behavioral problems, blind spots in your, in your eyes, body temperature disturbances, breast cancer, yeah, and uh, wasting disease, cachexia, uh, it's wasting disease, cataracts, uh, blood pressure uh, problems, uh, chest pains, uh, gallstones, mm-hmm. collagen breakdown, yeah, uh, cold shivers, uh, difficulty in concentration, uh, is constipation as well. And it's just a whole massive, long, <laughs> long, I'm on the start of it. This goes all down the whole page here uh, with fatigue and all the rest of it. Lots and lots of symptoms to do with uh, uh, the similarity to do with uh, hypothyroidism and this poison they're putting in your water uh, and fluoride, of course. 
They've always known it, of course, too. Because remember, the first thing that a government must do is make sure they control the public. Best way to do it is to dope them. Um, you know, do straight lobotomies, of course. They tried that in the past. Dope them, uh, drug them in some way. Uh, spray the air, perhaps, and uh, add things to it, too. Uh, you've also got that in conjunction with um, the techniques that Brzezinski talked about, uh, where they literally use ELF frequencies and so on across the whole continent to, to control and dumb or pacify people. A very, very effective method to do it. So uh, that's the, what governments are all about. And we find big players, like Bertrand Russell said, that certain... Techniques would be used on the public because it's, because it's just too tempting not to use them by governments. And that include, included dumbing them down, making them compliant by the use of the needle, by putting things in their food and water supply. Now, he worked on the biggest world boards on these top, on subjects that you can imagine. He was authorized from the top. Starving Greeks queue for food in their thousands as a debt-wracked country finally forms a coalition government. But how long will it last, it says here? And it says, um, the starving Greeks are queued around the block for free food handouts yesterday as the country's politicians managed to end a crippling stalemate to form a coalition government. You understand the problem with, with, with the world is government, for those who don't know yet. Young children as well as the elderly waited in line in Athens to collect the parcels of fruit and vegetables donated by farmers from Crete to help ease the devastating austerity faced by many meat Greeks. Now, they want to do this across the world. This is the same austerity plan. Have you a queue up to? And use a wartime scenario. The, the, the Green leader in Britain said this. I read this a while back, remember, on the air. And she says, well, we've got to get a wartime scenario like Britain was in World War II when everyone pulled together and ate less and obeyed the authorities because it was all for a good cause. And so if we can just get that spirit up, up again, we can get into austerity. So this is a, an example of austerity, which is uh, poverty, folks. And believe you me, it's, uh, the, the bankers are plundering, plundering these nations. And getting away with it. Why not? Because see, the bankers have their own guys in, in the law systems and they write the laws for those countries as well. But everybody knows this. Of course they do. This whole island's getting sold off right now for peanuts to those in the know. Disgusting. Maurice Strong, the, the, the guy who was appointed by Rockefeller, picked up by him and appointed to be one of the first big eco-warriors or managers really, uh, you know, the technocratic type that would rule the world because we're just too dumb and stupid to do it ourselves. And he was a guy who set up, set up the Rio Plus 20. Maurice comes from a long lineage of revolutionaries. I think one is, uh, is his father, grandfather, was a ch- from China, actually. And his one of his aunts is buried next to Matsi Tung in China because she was a main advisor to him. And his branch of the family in Canada have been picked up, of course, to uh, really alter the system in Canada and elsewhere. They move him around. Wherever they want something done quickly, they move Maurice there. He's the guy they brought in from the United Nations to privatize Ontario Power. That was in their electric supplies. The Hydro, they called it then. And he, he sold off the peanuts, prearranged, of course, to his pals. And then we'd have to go down the road into austerity, he says. He said that 10 years ago. Because they were not going to build us any better facilities. They were going to cut back, in fact, he said. So we don't vote these guys in, you understand, but they've got all, more power than the politicians have. Because you see, we're run privately by big foundations. We're all run privately, always have been. Back with more after this.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And, of course, I was talking to Maurice Strong about his history, etc., and how he's set up to be a real technocrat, as I like to call him. The UN sends him all over the planet to do dirty jobs and change societies into austerity and, and to do away with the idea of democracy. They don't believe in democracy in the United Nations. Their main think tank, the Club of Rome, said that in their own writings back in the 70s that democracy would never work, and therefore, from now on, we're pushing an authoritarian society. Just tell the, the, the little people what to do, and they'll, they'll, they'll bow and do it. Anyway, it says here, this article is a bit misleading, but it says, the failure of Rio plus 20 is a cause for celebration, even if you can't afford the champagne and the foie gras that the Eurocrats served themselves, as their hopes for sustainia retreated into uh, the policy fog. Now, that's not quite true, because... With these meetings, they have stacks and stacks and stacks of stuff already written up and all governments are on board. They just sign it quietly in the policy and that's all how it's done. So this is a bit misleading, but probably but intentionally too. In fact, there's lots and lots of newspaper reporters here, but not one would tell you what the, uh, the agenda was. They all had the same outlines, but they wouldn't publish it for the people. Number two, uh, I'll put up tonight uh, a link. You'll see some, uh, lots of these NGOs, non-governmental organizations, which are the big well-paid armies, full-time well-paid armies with pension plans and all that, that work for the big foundations that are owned by the big banking boys. That's a parallel government, for those who don't know. And they're, they're even sitting there swishing the champagne in this little video and watching fashion shows and all that getting put on for them. And that's only at the end of the night. We just see what you see at the end of the night, you know. It's the fashion's there without the, you know, the, you know, the little bits of tattered feathers and things. Anyway, getting back to this article here. It says, uh, there was no Obama, no Stephen Cameron, no S- Stephen Harper, no Angela Merkel. It was set to adopt a, a pablum-filled 283-point vision on Friday that was finalized before they arrived. Nothing less than disaster for the planet, declared Nimmo Bassi, Nigerian poet and chair of Friends of the Earth International. Friends of the Earth International, really. It sounds wonderful, but they don't like people. They want to, you know, cull us off rather quickly. An epic uh, failures claimed Kumi Nedu, the Greenpeace International Executive Director. They get fantastic salaries, you know. For, for the colossal waste of time chimed in Jim Leap, International Director General of the World Wildlife Fund. An umbrella group of NGOs, there was actually a few thousand of them down there, 2,000 NGO groups, I think, bemoaned the official text lacks lack of mention of planetary boundaries, tipping points, or planetary carrying capacity. You know, too many of you lot, you know, the ones that can't afford the champagne. The very shibboleths of radical environmentalism's zero-sum thinking. Significantly, the mother and father of sustainable development, Gro Harlem Brundtland and Maurice Chairman, I like the name Chairman Mo Strong, uh, carped, or should that be grow and, and mo and moaned, yeah, groaned and moaned from the Rio sidelines. Ms. Brutland was the figurehead of the 1987 Brutland Report, which spilled sustainable development all over the policy map, while Mr. Strong orchestrated the 1992 Rio conference, which the current 50,000 strong flop is intended to commemorate. 50,000 people, that's all the taxpayers' money they paid for that, these, these bums to go down there, you know. 
According to Ms. Brutland, Rio Plus 20 failure is due to the Eurozone crisis and the power of Tea Party climate deniers. Oh, like a Holocaust denier. Oh, that's what they use the, these terms, you know. It's like guilty by association of denier. That was all dreamed up, you know, by the Frankfurt Institute. That's how they worked out this terminology of neuroscience and psycholinguistics and all the rest of it. Mr. Strong was flown in from China, United Nations, that is, taxpayers' expense, to be regaled by a group of corporations on Monday as a very special guest of honour. So the corporations love them because they want carbon taxes, which all come from you. Mr. Strong is less than happy at the, the, the cratering of his Stewie Griffin-style master plan to rule the world, which was always clashed rather alarmingly with his problems in steering small companies, not to mention his implications in the United Nations Iraqi oil for food scandal. They're all on the take. Remember that? There was, was it Kofi Annan that was in at the time too, and his son was on the take. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll feed some of this. Now they were starving Iraqis and they're dying by the millions. Let's, let's take some of their oil and give them a few, you know, bits of junk food back. Well, Maurice Strong was in that scandal too, and it was awfully lucrative for them. One wonders if these aged uh, eco-doomsters were embarrassed by support from Iranian President Mahmoud uh, Ahmadinejad, who called for rich countries to eschew materialist desires and pursue spiritual development. Mr. Um, Ahmadinejad also suggested that the collapse of the current atheistic order is reaching its time. He's probably quite right on that. Perhaps so, the social democratic replacement for God, which is communism and expert rule by technocracy, is certainly proving to have feet of clay in Europe, but it looks more than doubtful that Gaia's green caliphate will be taken over, even if the iconic statue of Christ the Redeemer, which looks down on Rio, was illuminated with green light for the conference. That's what they did. Actually put green light up over that big statue. Uh, uh, Rio there, eh? The high priests of the new green world order crave cash, but calls for humanity fork over for Gia's services are falling on deaf ears, and not just because of the global economy. One problem is that Gaia has no bank account. Oh, the yes, they do. Gaia has a bank. I guess with money heaven. You know, all the banks, when they crash, they go, it goes to money heaven. And there's a few guys who got the keys to that one, all right. UN Secretary General Bai Kai Moon, while ritually bemoaning the weakness of the Rio Plus 20's outcome, declared this week that nature does not negotiate with human beings. But then neither does she speak through a, a green self-elect. Gia or Gaia service fees would wind up in the coffers of the guys and gals who brought you uh, not just for oil food, but a human rights system ruled by the world's worst rights abusers, utterly corrupted climate science and scientists, I would add, and peace in Syria. The failure of RIA does not mean disregard for the environment. Environmental protection is a branch of human protection. The environment has no value except for what it means to humans. The outrage that this observation will promote, uh, will promote serves to prove the point. The environment can no more value itself than it can express outrage. And it goes on and on and on. But anyway, they're not too happy, not too chuffed. Maybe it was, maybe they cut back a little bit on the, all the strip shows and, you know, and all the prostitutes and, and you know, the high shows that they put on. Like folk, da- da- like natives dancing naked and that. I've seen some of these things. Just incredible what the massive displays they put on for these bums. So, that's that. So now, another article two is overcoming Rio Plus 20's summit f- uh, fatigue, it's called, and that's from a council on foreign relations. None of the guys who give us all of our news. And it says the Rio Plus 20 conference on sustainable development is unlikely to deliver the sweeping international environmental mandates that followed the original high-level environmental summit of 1992 in Rio, which set the standards of the international agenda for the next two decades. 
So he goes through a lot of twaddle with that and so on and so on. They're not just too happy about it at all. They were, they were hoping to get brand new uniforms with kind of peak caps and stuff and they'd have a fourth Reich, you know. That's what they were hoping for. Anyway, the CIA is helping Iran, uh, uh, or I should say arm, the CIA is helping arm Syrian opposition. Well, we all know that because it's been so many reports that have come out over the months that uh, the, the CIA is helping arm the Syrian opposition or the mercenaries which they sent over there in the first place. I'll put that up tonight too. And uh, another one is about curfews. We've seen how society's been destroyed, understand? The family was destroyed, uh, and they said a long time ago, too, that they would destroy, in fact, they'd sever the, the bond between parent and child. Uh, something's been done even in ancient times. You'll even find that in the Old Testament, where they, people could actually do that. They knew how to do it. And, uh, of course, the children had years of Dr. Spock, when scientists replaced your natural common sense. And uh, he said, don't spank children, don't do this, don't do that. And now there's whole areas in states and in Britain where you can't walk at night for gangs of youth that want to beat you up and do nasty things to you because they know they can. And if you say anything to them, they'll say, we've got rights. Then, then they quote the rights of the child to you. You know. Anyway, it says, all children under 16 have been banned from a city centre at night after claims that adults have been feeling intimidated. All children under 16 are banned from this particular one in, in uh, Bangor in Wales, it says. It says the Children's Commissioner for Wales. You're children's Commissioners now, eh? I guess that takes over from the parents. Dismissed the move in Bangor as heavy-handed and drastic and warned it would criminalise all children and young people. But authorities insisted the measure was necessary to combat antisocial behaviour and public drinking in the area, which has a large student population. And so... Anyway, they've got problems there, they've got problems in the States, they've got problems everywhere, because it's designed to bring in chaos, you understand. When you break the old norms in every way, you have chaos coming in to replace it. That's an old, old thing that's always been understood. Always been understood. And, uh, of course, this is where they want to get the world to bring in a new world order where you'll obey by guys with machine guns pointing at you wearing official authorized uniforms. Because that's what you obey is nothing but authority. That's, that's it, really authority. And Monsanto, I mentioned before, was faced with paying $7.5 billion back to farmers. Uh, because um, back in April, a Brazilian court ruled that Monsanto absolutely was responsible for paying back the exorbitant amounts of cash back to the farmers, ordering the company to issue back all the taxes collected since 2004, a minimum of $2 billion. After Monsanto appealed the decision, and the case is now suspended until further hearing is initiated by the Justice Tribune of the local court stationed in Rio Grande do Sul. Hi folks, I think I'm back on now. Something happened there, because I get interference with, from CSIS and all the other ISIS and, ISIS and, 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 and CIAs and stuff like that all over the place, because somebody came into my call, apparently, uh, broke in and it was ringing. So, this is fairly common at nights, by the way, after the at two, but I get this all the time. This is called harassment, basic harassment, if you've been a bit of a nuisance. So I'll put this link up tonight. I was talking about Monsanto paying back $7.5 billion to farmers because they, they were taxing them on their seed. And once they own their darn seed, you've got to buy it from them, then there's a tax they collect on top of it as well and charging the farmers with the taxes and so on. And they've got it all made. You n- understand, you never give away your water. 
You never give away your food because once it's in someone else's hands, they, they're tyrants, you understand, and you're subservient to them. That's obvious. The boss has been, Monsanto's been found guilty of chemical poisoning in France and other places too. Uh, they're giving neurological problems to people with the, with the, the toxic effects of their weed killers. And the company has even dished out 93 millions to victims of toxic dioxin. So I'll put this link up tonight to see how it's going. And people should really keep up pressure on them. There's so many things you could attack, isn't there? But you, you can't really keep pressure up if you can. But it's just too many. It's just too many. Because we're under tyranny from all over. That's the bottom line. And also Lord Moncton reports from Rio. Not a bad article, actually. And he goes through it too, talks about, again, the, the green Jesus have got up there, all that green light that was shining on and it says the intended triumph of the new religion over the old was symbolized by a light-emitting diode system costing hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's for the tax money. That has turned the normal floodlighting of the tower statue of Christ, the Redeemer, an unpleasant lurid green, so that he looks like a giant jelly bean. Fortunately, divine intervention, or perhaps the gore effect, has smothered the volcanic pinnacle on which the statue stands in unseasonably dense cloud and pouring rain, rendering this crude but costly sacrilege altogether invisible. Chalk up ten points to the old religion. He says God is not mocked. And they've got soldiers with machine guns there to protect all these non-governmental organizations, you know, these wasters that have never worked a day in their life and have paid lots of money to brainwash us. And it says, uh, for some reason, they've even got elephant guns guarding the extravagantly expensive and contentably childish propaganda gesture to make sure no one symbolically reasserts the triumph of the resurrection by cutting off their natural green glow and replacing it with a traditional glorious white. It says the rubbish that litters the streets and even the once pristine beaches of Copacabana is surely a symbol for the garbage that will soon emerge from the negotiations. One can be confident that it will be garbage because this year for the first time the UN has gone to unprecedented lengths to make sure that no one gets daily updated versions of the central negotiating text. So as I was telling you earlier, that all the mainstream, they won't give you what's in the actual negotiating text. If somebody hides something, it's because somebody has something to hide. In a manoeuvre symbolic of the indented global dictatorship that is the ever more openly declared ambition of the world government wannabes of the United Nations and of a governing class that has grown impatient of democracy and contentious of the mere people, supposedly transparent Pointy Heads Conference has been ruthlessly divided into three entirely separate Pointy Heads Conferences. Symbolic of the grim communism that will be the ideological mainspring of the exciting, shiny new dictatorship for which the United Nations longs, because that's what it wants to bring in, you folks, and for which its senior strategist planned at a meeting this time last year, at which time Secretary General Ban Ki-moon called for suggestions to put an end to national sovereignty, and he did. Ban Ki-moon called for suggestions to put an end to national sovereignty, folks. Now, if you still think you have a country, you should all be demanding that everyone gets out of this stinking, corrupt, communistic, but again, corporate-run uh, United Nations. Let's start there. And it says here, and hence to the, the exhibition area, to which in the earlier United Nations conference was adjacent to the main hall where the plenary negotiating sessions took place and was set up several miles away in a tent city, revealingly called the People's Congress. 
and says Sikkim is a symbol of the permanent imprisonment of just about everybody that Ban Ki-moon's corrupt totalitarian world government will bring about. The non-government organizations accredited to the United Nations were corralled in the filthy soulless crumbling Rio Center Conference Center where hundreds of armed sharpsuited United Nations goons kept them determinedly away from the vast concrete bunker where the actual negotiations were taking place. And thirdly, to symbolize the total separation of the governing class from the governed that will become the norm as the United Nations takes power, the governmental delegates traveling in a thousand-strong fleet of gas-guzzling carbon-emitting limousines escorted by secret police on Harley-clone motorcycles have been kept in near-total isolation from the non-governmental organizations and from the mere people. Secondary uh, passes allowing limited access to the plenary sessions are handed out only to those whom the, the United Nations can absolutely rely on not to raise any questions at all about what is going on. So here it is, people who have no right to run our lives in any way, shape or form since we've never given any authority to do it, uh, having secret meetings but in, inside an armed camp basically, and all the stinking mainstream media who have all there will not tell you what's going on. Because all the media belongs to CFR, and all their masters do too, you see. They want this new world order. Anyway, he goes on and on about it, and it's a good article to read, but too long to read on this particular uh, radio broadcast tonight. And, um, And I'll be back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix. And just before I take a caller, just to mention that Jerry Sandusky's son, during his case down there, the Sandusky case, his, his son's come forward to claim, claiming that his father also abused him as well, as they try to normalize uh, basically this pedophilic homosexual diddling of young children and, and kind of normalize it. That's what they're trying to do in the court case, try to make it all sound like a big joke, etc. But... Um, I'll go to Daniel in the UK, if he's still hanging on. Are you there, Daniel? Uh, yeah, I'm here, Alan. Hello. Yep, hello. Well, you know you say sometimes they put in films and say little tidbits of truth. Sort of, you know, they put the obelisk in the background and a few little, um, you know, the eye of Horus or Ra or whatever in the background. You know. mm-hmm. They put little bits in there, don't they? And, uh, and sometimes in the dialogue as well. Um, I was watching a film, uh, Wall Street, the original one, the other day. Yeah. And it's all sort of rubbish, but there was a, there, there was a good um, a dialogue at the end with Michael Douglas and Charlie Sheen. And That's right. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I transcribed it. I wondered if you might let me read it out. It's only a couple of paragraphs. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. about the illusion of money. Um, he goes, uh, Charlie Sheen says, tell me, Gordon, how much is enough? And Michael Douglas' character says, it's not a question of enough. It's a zero-sum game. Somebody wins, somebody loses. Money itself isn't lost or made. It's transferred from one perception to another like magic. This painting here, I bought it 10 years ago for $60,000. I could sell it today for $600,000. The illusion has become real. And the more real it becomes, the more desperately they want it. It's capitalism at its finest. And then Charlie Sheen says, but how much is enough, Gordon? And Douglas says... 
The richest 1% of this country owns half our country's wealth, $5 trillion. One third of that comes from hard work. Two thirds comes from inheritance, interest on interest accumulating to widows and idiot sons, and what I do, stock and real estate speculation. It's all BS. You've got 90% of the American public out there with little or no net worth. I create nothing, but I own. We create the rules, the news, war, peace, famine, upheaval, the price of a paperclip. We pick that rabbit out of the hat while everybody sits there wondering how the hell we did it. Now, you're not naive enough to think we're living in a democracy, are you? Because this is the free market and you're part of it. And that's the end of the quote. Now, what do you think of that, Alan? Because I think there's quite a lot of truth in that. Well, definitely a lot of truth in it. As he says, we technically they own nothing, these guys that just take over company after company. Uh, they own them in an extent. They make nothing. They produce nothing except profits for themselves as they flip corporations, they flip your food supply, they, they flip everything they can get their hands on and, and just plunder you and plunder you. But it was set up that way to do that. You understand, people think it's all quite natural even having a stock market at this big giant casino. They think it's natural. It's been rigged from the very beginning. It was designed to be rigged. Okay? Well, yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, that's right. But, but what you said before... Mm-hmm goes beyond that, these, these, these references to it being magic and it just perception, because yes. that's all it is. I mean, a banknote really, or, or money, is just, it's just really symbolic of, of your acceptance of, of this system, isn't it? Uh, yes, because it's backed by nothing. Uh, that's why in the U.S. dollar they have in God we trust. Nobody asks says, what God is this? Well, it's a God you see that the, the, the head of the Federal Reserve, when he was on the, an inquiry, when he's asked where did the money go, he says, money heaven. And when he was, he came back at him, he says, well, I was just doing God's work. You better, better understand what God they're talking about here. You better, most people hear this, they don't know what I mean. They don't know what I mean. This is a system of a very few people, you know. They've been doing this for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Plundering the public with their magic tricks. But thanks for calling. And from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you.